Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Welcome to my new soon-to-be friend, Erin Flaherty. Welcome. Say hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Carly. Well, thank you for being courageous enough to show up and share your story. I was thinking about it before we started today that not only do we get to hear your story, but we get to normalize what no one wants to talk about, right? It's you know, I almost right. feel like we grew up in a time where our parents, you know, drove in the car with smoking and we kind of like rolled around in the back seat. And the way that our society thinks about divorce, I still think is back in like the 80s, 90s. And what we're doing today, what your family is doing and what my family is doing is really going to change the landscape of the divorce for everybody. I agree. And it's funny that you say that because I've been, I'm sure you'll want to get into my story maybe from the beginning, but I've been divorced for, it's, it has to have been almost 12 years that I've been divorced. And you don't know how many times I would say to somebody like, oh, my ex is coming to this event, or I get along with my ex. And especially early on when we were divorced, people would go, oh, that's weird. And it was like, why is, why is that weird? I know. And here's the deal. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into your story, but what I want to say to the listener and to all those weird people that are judging is I, I understand that it's weird air quotes and that the way that we do divorce is different. My hope is that the coaching I do, this podcast, you sharing your story, the stories that we're going to get, get out there are going to say to the universe it's weird that you have such an issue that you can't get over your stuff that you can't show up for your kids and get over yourself. Like that's weird. And what we're doing is healthy. So let's get into it. Um, Will you tell me about your first marriage? Yes. So I met my ex-husband, Justin, when we were 20 years old and I was in college he was not, um, and that's fine, but he, he and I have always had a friendship in addition to the romance that we had. And, you know, 20 years old, I mean, you just think back, you're so carefree, you're an adult almost, but really not. So it was just a fun time in my life when I met him and he was carefree. I came from a family that was kind of rigid. And so something that we were conscious about is that um, we sort of provided for each other what we didn't get in childhood. So he comes from a family that we unconditionally love you. Um, everything's going to be okay. I came from a family that we only love you if you succeed. <laughs> so, yeah. so he and I were 20 years old, had this great friendship, but great 
romance. And when we were dating for three months, 9-11 happened. Wow. So, yeah. And, and I am not going to say that I understood the magnitude of 9-11 at the time. I think just from my world being what it was, I understood that it was a huge deal but I didn't understand what a big deal. And I remember that we were newly dating and he came to visit me at college the day that it happened. And I remembered that we just took a three hour nap because it was so overwhelming to see 9-11 happen. Um, And then of course the whole world was mourning and figuring this whole thing out. And it kind of became life is short. So let's get married. (laughs) No, I mean, I get it because when something so traumatic and life altering happens, you stop and you ask yourself, what are we doing? Like, what does any of this matter? And I actually think like the story you're painting of being 20 and falling in love and feeling like that is so different from the other stories I hear of, of us being in our early 20s. Because when I was when I was 20, when 9-11 happened, I was, I'm, we're probably the same age, I'm 41. And so, you know, when that was happening, I was I didn't know who I was. But what you guys were doing wasn't so far off course of what we want to do with our life, like of saying, let, let's live a purposeful life that with intention. I have a question before you get into it. You said that he provided you unconditional love and support. What did you provide him? Structure, mm-hmm. um, structure. And, you know, he came from a family that education and maybe doing, you know, driving hard and, and accomplishing things was not instilled. And that is exactly what was instilled in me. It's still something that I, I'm, I identify with a hundred percent. And so I was able even just to teach him how to speak properly, like how to say sentences grammatically correct. He appreciated that. How did your family do it? I mean, I, I, my, I get my belly tight thinking about how it must have been for your family meeting him since he was so different than you. So Justin's a really likable guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so funny when people still ask about if they don't really know him or they don't know the backstory, they're like, Oh, and I'm like, I like my, you know, one, one yeah. reason that we're still friends is I genuinely like him. And so my family liked him. There has definitely been tension throughout the years with our families being so different and there still is. But what's amazing is that we've never, we still don't let that bother us, but there's been tension. There's almost more tension with our families than with each other. Yes. That's so interesting because, and I would love, I mean, I would love for the families to understand that my parents. So when we were going through my divorce, the actual legal part was miserable and that was like yucky. And that's one of the things I do as a coach is I help them like not make those yucky decisions that cause all that tension. But during that period of time, his family, not all of his family, some of them were awesome, but a lot of his family just kind of like shut me out and my family didn't. And I was mad at my parents. I was like, why aren't you being mean to him? Like, look what he's doing. And my parents were like, no, this is the father of our grandchildren. And we're going to be in this for the long haul. Like they could see big picture. And I'm glad that they could, because that taught me like, we're all in this for the long haul. Um, So will you tell me with your early, should you get married right away at at 20? Pretty pretty much. Oh, um, 21. But by that time, 21. So we dated a year. And were you still in college or were you just finishing? I was still in college and everyone thought I was going to quit college because I was getting married. And I was like, 
I'm just, I'm married. I'm not like, I mean, I'm not running away. Right. So no, I finished college. And then tell, tell us about your story. So life was great. Um, however, the fact that what brought us together, I think may have been what drove us apart in that we were in different places, motivation wise. And I was kind of the adult in the relationship and it became our, our biggest downfall was that I became, it became a parent child relationship. That's so unsexy. Nothing more attractive than right. feeling like your mother's constantly nagging you. And for you feeling like you have to parent your partner. So both of you are like, what is happening? It was, it wasn't okay. It, yeah. And, and I think in hindsight, I would have just never let that happen, you know, but, but we were young. It was my first rodeo. So it became sort of, he, he is very much into like adult, like, like almost, um, I don't want to say adult toys. That sounds different. Like he's into things that like men like, like cars and watches and expensive things. Right. But he wasn't, but he didn't have the drive to afford those things. So it became this cycle of, well, I would go and hustle and make money and do well. And he was kind of like, oh, well, can I buy this? <laughs> and it felt yucky. And, and just, and just in different levels where, where we wanted to be in life and what drove us. And I think ultimately that, that led to a disrespect from my standpoint. I, I ultimately disrespected him because he wasn't, I was striving for more and I didn't feel like he was up there where I was trying to go. We weren't going up together. Yeah. You didn't have the same vision of what you wanted in terms of, and you know what I love about what you just shared? I love that you take ownership for your part because unless we're dealing with someone that is on the outskirts of mental illness, we are talking about just two regular people who have a regular life and one of my least favorite questions that people ask when they find out someone's getting a divorce is who wanted it? And here's the question. Nobody wanted it, right? Nobody, 50% of marriages end in divorce. Nobody that gets married, even with that information, thinks that they're going to be one of them. We, we dream of a life forever till death do us part, children, family, the whole deal. And when the marriage breaks down, there might have been one person that is more vocal about what's not working, but the two of us, whether we were aware of it or not, played our own parts. And I hate when people are like, oh, she wanted it or he wanted it because they just don't get it. Do you agree with that? I totally do. And I, I have tried to really make a point of never saying, well, he did this. And I mean, and even my best friend has always said like, well, you've forgiven him for certain things before I have. And I'm like, well, and so he and I both have never really pointed fingers. Like we, we will take more ownership of, I mean, it was hurtful and there were definitely things that led to it, but we've, we've always pointed the fingers at ourselves almost just naturally. We've never, we've never had to make any sort of pact that that's what we were going to do. We just, we just did because we've always been friends. We, we both genuinely like each other. And that makes such a difference. And, you know, 
I wanted to make that really clear to people when they, because I share my story very openly and I wrote a memoir about it. And I actually had to ask, I call him my husband. I stole it from someone else because it's, he was my husband. And um, <laughs> isn't that a good name? So um, I asked, I told him I was writing my memoir. It was not all about us, but he was a part of the story because he's the father of my children. I was married to him and I got divorced. And he was very unhappy about it and was like, please don't write this. And I was like, look, I hear you but this is a massive opportunity for me and I can't not do this. But if you want to tell me things that you don't want in there that you want me to remove, I will do that. And I did that because I didn't want our, he's still not, I mean, he, if I literally never spoke about him again, he would be brilliantly happy. He's just not an out, our person. But something I always say when I share this is here's my story. It's just my side, right? Because there's three sides. There's his side, my, my side and, and the truth. And I, it's not that he did anything wrong. It's that it didn't work for me. And the way that I wanted to live didn't work for him. And that really struck me, which was we all deserve to be loved as we are. And it's okay if what he wanted wasn't right for you, right? You know, vice versa. But I think we're also used to saying, like, who did what? Like, there has to be something right. wrong. Um, so while you are all this is kind of deteriorating. When do you guys have a child? Huh. Well, interesting that you should ask that. So for, there are two things that happened. First, he and I really liked our lives and didn't want children and actually decided that we didn't want children and announced it at Easter dinner to our families because we'd been, we hit, yeah, I know, right? That's life. Because right? everyone was so asking, right? Point, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? Of course, it had been four years. Yeah, when the grand, I mean, mainly his parents, my mom was sort of just like, whatever. But right. um, his parents were like, oh, when's this happening? And we decided that we liked our lives the way they were, and we weren't going to have kids. And I was probably like a week pregnant when I announced that. And so then, of course, like, six weeks later, we're like, great news, you know, yeah. so we, so this, so we decided, you know, like, um, and I actually even had, I have, I have migraines, which is why I wasn't on birth control at the time. And then, and then I just decided that since that wasn't what we wanted, I actually had like get birth control pills on my to-do list, like when this was all happening. So, you know, famous storm, you know, it, we all know kids aren't the, aren't the fault of a divorce, but no. man, do they put stress on a marriage, you know, yeah, especially when you were not planning on them. And and I love how we make an announcement and then the universe is like, yeah, we have different plans for you. So how did you guys right. approach well, the new baby? Like, how was that? How did he feel about it? So, and at the same time, I should say that a couple months before, a couple months before I found out I was pregnant, I started to realize that this wasn't going to work. I, I, I had even said to him at one point, I think one of our friends said something like, um, I don't think I'll be with this guy in 10 years. And he had even asked me, like, do you think we'll be together in 10 years? And I very honestly said, like, I probably not. But then this year, when I found out I was pregnant, I really started to realize that this not working was probably coming soon. So all of this was going on was I'm realizing this isn't going to work. But there was no emergency. There wasn't right. anything. No one was in danger. It wasn't right. all that bad. And then we found out we were having a baby that we were not planning on having. So we, I mean, we embraced, um, we embraced the pregnancy. We embraced 
our child, we still co-parent her today. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, there were issues that came up like my being motivated, my not feeling like he was on the same page where he had other priorities besides. And, and I was very emotional. I was, you know, the, I was the one we were in this together, but I was the one obviously that had to carry the child and gain weight and um, feel like my career was on hold because I had to fall asleep at eight o'clock at night because, you know, growing a child is tiring. And, and I felt like he wasn't with me on that. So we started going to counseling at the end of my pregnancy. So it kind of just, it kind of came to a head. I mean, so we embraced this child, you know, he adores her. She adores What him. were you saying in the um, counseling? Like, were you totally honest about like, I don't think this is the right match? Well, I wasn't saying that I don't think this is the right match because obviously I'm about to have a baby that I plan on. And so I'm not trying to, no, I'm not trying to like ditch like the support. So did you make the decision in your mind, like we're going to make this work when you found out you're pregnant? Well, yes, because it wasn't so much like I'm leaving or I wasn't there yet. I wasn't like I'm leaving, but I just sort of started to have ideas that this wasn't going to work. And so yes, we're having this baby together. I'm not, I'm not trying to leave the baby's father before she's even here. So we pressed on, but there were, but I was crying in counseling nine months pregnant. Um, I was crying at the office. We worked together actually. um, And I was crying at at work and saying, you need to go to my car and get me some cover up because I, you know, we're about to have this baby and you're worried about like getting a car and, you know, just, it was things like that. So we had the was baby. He and then able, just, it, sorry, I have a quick question. Was he able yeah, to hear okay. you when you were telling that? Like, was, did he get it? Or was he just like, she'll get over it? No. So I'm not an emotional person. I don't cry a lot. And so when I was crying in counseling, he actually started to laugh. And the counselor was like, what's going on here? And he was like, well, this isn't, this isn't her. Like, she's not. So I think maybe he thought I was emotional, which I was, you know. But the counselor was like, this is her now, though. Like, mm. this is what that is she's going through. Great... So he didn't, he yeah. didn't get it. Yeah. Okay. So you have the baby. Yep. And so it was really, and we, we broke up when we broke up. I decided to end the marriage when she was nine or 10 months old. It was right before Thanksgiving. So nine or 10 months old. So it was really just you have a baby, you know what that's like, you know, it's hard, no matter what, I mean, even if you're, you know, Princess Kate, <laughs> you know, you're, it's hard. So I had moments, in, so my, I had three babies right back to back, 16, 19 months apart, and there were moments, and I, I'm not saying this in a bashing way, it's just a fact, there were zero times where my husband got up in the middle of the night, zero, and um, I remember one time being pregnant with a baby getting up for another baby and thinking, why did I procreate with this person again? Like, why am I, I'm doing this by myself. And so what happened for you that made you at nine or 10 months say, I needed to end this. It was more of the same from pregnancy, but it was just, you have a baby. And so the problems are magnified. It's, you know, going from you're not supportive and I'm pregnant to you're not supportive. And we have a living being to take care of. That's the hardest thing, you know, so it, and I, ha- I also have a hard time asking for help. And so yeah. I, so I did, so 
I, yes, I felt like I was doing everything. I know part of that was my fault because that's just, I mean, I still do it. I'm now happily married for 11 years. I'm remarried, but I still do things that I feel like I should be doing. Um, so I was taking care of it all. And I remember one distinct day where Hannah was crying. Hannah is our daughter. She's our daughter. She's crying. The dog's howling. And I finally opened the basement door to where he was playing video games and said, I need your help. And he said, um, and he said, um, I'm in the middle of something. And I was like, not going to work. Like it was a the defining moment. Yeah. It was everything leading up. It was, it was going out for an hour by myself and coming back and realized that, you know, Hannah hadn't been fed or changed, you know, things like that. Just, you know, and I hate to even talk about this because again, and, and no, I, no. I'm open to talk about this. I'm just saying, yeah. I hate to like dig it up. Yeah. But it's, but it's, it's what, what happened. Ultimately, it's what happened. Right. It is what happened. Right. And so once that happened, and it sounds like you guys did treat each other kindly, how far after that did things like separate? Did the divorce happen? Did you guys physically start living apart? No. And that was really hard. So I decided, so Hannah was born in January. I kind of, I decided by June that I was leaving the marriage. However, we gave it one last go. Like he kind of, you know, was pleading for me to give it one last go. So between June and November, we did try to give it one last go. And I realized between June and November, when I left for the final time, I realized that it was either going to mean me living a double life because I didn't respect him enough to stay married and stay faithful. So it was either, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to live a double life and live outside of integrity, or I'm going to have to set him free And so he can live his own life because this isn't right. You know, even though he was trying to plead with me to stay um, and I, you know, saying, I don't care. Actually, you can, we can open things up. And I'm like, no, I I had the same thing. I love what you just said. I wrote it down about live outside of integrity because I, and this is no judgment on anybody. I personally did not want to be unfaithful because it's just not something that I wanted. I believe personally that if you know you want to be with someone else, then you should let the other person go, like you just said. And ours was very similar in terms of like me communicating, me saying, I need this help, me saying, let's do this. And then him finally realizing at the end, like, oh, she's serious. And then I had that period of time like you did. And that period of time was the most uncomfortable period of time in my entire life because There's this war between what we think we're supposed to do. You got a brand new baby, right? I've got three kids, right? right? This brand new life. And and on the outside, it looks a certain way. And then all of those fears and what we've heard of divorce and how it's going to be horrible. And you know what I mean? So it was very painful. And, and people saying, oh, well, you know, if he didn't cheat and he didn't beat, then there's no reason for you to leave, you know, pressure I've from had family. people tell me that directly to me. I mean, because I'm yeah. vocal about my story and I've had, you know, that was when I knew I really hit a chord. I wrote an article in 2016 about how my light went out and how there was no cheating or beating, but we were just, there was nothing there. And I didn't want to raise my children thinking that that's what love looked like. And this is what a family looks like. This is what a husband and a wife, you know, I didn't want them to think that. And so I had mostly men, of course, were like violently angry about how I'm selfish and horrible and a marriage wrecker. And I'm happily married like you are today. We're going to get there in a minute. But 
what I want to say is I love marriage. I love love. I love partnership. Mm -hmm. I just wanted a partnership and I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And I am not an advocate for everyone to get a divorce. I'm an advocate for if you're going to get a divorce, do it in a way that is kind and respectful so your kids don't get hurt. I also decided to leave and not give it more time because I didn't want my daughter to be old enough to experience everything going on. I thought if I know this isn't going to work, this is the perfect time before she can say anything and really understand. She never will know, ever. So once you made that final decision... Tell me about what, how that happened, like what that life looked like. We had to live together between November and the following June um, because because we had was, to sell our house. Yeah, which we actually never ended up doing. Ours was one that was, I mean, oh my gosh, it was um, <laughs> November and we couldn't just up and move. We bought at the height of the market. We were trying to sell at the bottom. It was terrible. So we had to sit on this house. Um, and ultimately, we just we just um, in June decided to take our savings because nobody was selling houses because no one had equity. So we decided we had like a few thousand dollars each of us that we could either assume that the house was going to sell or we could take our, cut our losses and walk away. So we walked away from a house together in June. Um, so living together while separated was brutal. Um, mm-hmm. We don't fight we don't fight as, as a couple or as friends. And we fought more than ever. We hated each other because of the yeah. tension. And there's resentment separating. and there's things that is just, it's, there's just like this, this dead stagnant anger. And like, it's just, it was miserable. That was the, the worst time for me was the decision. And then we had seven months mm-hmm. of living together while showing our house while gathering babies and putting them in cars and hiding laundry and um, going through legal stuff. So once you get to the other side, then we can really behave. And that's what we did. We moved to two separate homes and really made a decision. So tell me, did you guys have a discussion where you're like, we're going to do this well, or were you just, you just are those people? If we had one, I don't remember it. So I really just think we, we genuinely really like each other and and it was sad it was very sad for me to break up with my best friend mm. to see my best friend heartbroken over something that i did oh, but to so also cute. know that yeah but to also know that it was the right it was the right move and there was no way there was no alternative i mean staying was not an option So I love that you just said that there are, and I want listeners to understand this, even if you work your ass off and you are so kind and you get along and all is well, there is still pain that is unavoidable about divorce and the pain of watching somebody be hurt. For me, the biggest pain is watching my kids just no matter how hard we work, there's things that hurt them that like that they don't get to be with both parents at certain times just because of life. Like they don't get to wake up on their birthday in the same space. Right. And so there were times in the the beginning where I would like rack my brain and try to figure out like, what could I do to make this pain smaller or go away? And I would go back to that place. Like, could I make this work? And I'm like, no, like if I could have made it work, I would have made it work. I'm, I wanted this more than anybody. Right. And so my question to you, because I want to get to your new life is two things. 
I want to know the biggest struggles you've had with co-parenting, even though you guys get along, you must've had something that's challenging. And then I also want to know some co-parenting wins. So struggles for the first several years, the one that comes to mind was he dated somebody who was pretty much anti-child and that, and I actually and I don't say that to make her a villain. Like, actually, she and I are friends. Like, so it, it was, but when they were dating, it was a toxic situation where Justin was honest with her about, like, this is my child and this is my ex-wife and, you know, we're friends and that's how things are, but she couldn't handle it. And so Wait, that was hurtful. I don't think it was that she was anti-kid. I think she was anti-your divorce, like your situation. She actually was anti-kid too. Um, so they're actually, yeah. So there actually were times where Hannah would go visit and she would just like disappear for the weekend. And like, and it just made it really hurtful and uncomfortable, but she was also pulling puppet strings uh, with him. So it was kind of like, from my point of view, I'm like, well, Justin, you can't have this both ways. You can't have, you know, this woman who doesn't want anything to do with our past and our child but then she also can't dictate what, you know, he, she was dictating like his schedule and things. And I'm like, no, like yeah. she can't, she can't be pulling all these things. And stop you for so a second. that's been really challenging. That, yeah. okay. So that is one of the coolest things that I've learned, of course, the hard way, right? That's how we learn things. And one of the things I do when I work with couples specifically, it's called nuts and bolts. And it's, I wish to God I would have had it when I was going through mine. And it's one session where I sit down with both parents and they answer questions ahead of time. And it's not legal. It's things that should go in the shared parenting plan that if you don't put in there right now, when new people are introduced, it could cause issues. And you're smiling and nodding because you know, right? So like, for example, and I always talk about this just as an example is we made a promise to our boys verbally that we were going to have dinners on their birthdays together, just the five of us. And he was on board and I was on board and the kids were excited and then enter a new partner on his side. And she did not like that idea. And fast forward, we don't do that anymore. And it's been painful and hurtful. And so what I say to couples is, and they can't imagine like that when they're, in the process, they're like, we can't imagine somebody else telling us we, and they don't get it. I'm like, right. no, this is what's going to happen. And it typically happens, unfortunately, when it's the husband ends up with another woman and she's usually threatened by the co-parenting relationship. And I tell, I tell them, and I tell, especially guys, I say, look, you can weed out people immediately for who you're going to be with next by just telling them this is the mother of my children and we co-parent and this is what it looks like. And we are together and we're friends and we text and we communicate. And if you can't hang with that, totally understand, but this isn't going to work because the amount of tension that comes in from an outside party is so painful. It really is. Yeah. And, and, and he, I didn't feel that he was, asserting himself enough for the situation and she ended up actually leaving that relationship which is so for a while it wasn't it wasn't okay but then now that they're not together and that wasn't working out for them like she and I you know she and I are great like it's fine <laughs> like so she funny. came to a funeral like it was it right. was really funny um so and he has and he was able to get remarried um two years ago and 
I should, you know, back up and also say I got married. Actually, I got remarried. I fell in love with my husband and got remarried in record time. So that had to be super painful. Yeah, yeah it had to be real, and it wasn't in the plans. It wasn't something, you know. But you know, and and we couldn't worry about what people thought, like because it it looked oh, really bad. It looked like it was overlapping. Did not optically look good. No, I fell in love with my yeah. current husband as I was my marriage was dissolving, and we mm-hmm. and I was super honest, and we never physically touched, um, but. I right. told my husband, I was like, I, I fallen in love with this person and he knew about it. Like he, I told him when we were going through our challenges, I was like, we talk, we message every day. We become really good friends and no intention of anything. And, and my husband was like, I don't care. As long as you don't have sex right. with him, I don't care. And I was like, right. of course, I'm not going to have sex with him. He lives in Virginia. Like, so, so fortunately for me fortunately there wasn't an overlap but it but it was record time it was one of those things where it was and I'm not saying yours was I'm just saying like for me there wasn't but it it looked bad and it got to the point though where I was like I can't I don't care what people think because you know I really don't because Um, how long are they going to spend in your life right like this is your life so tell me before we get to your new life what are some awesome things that you and Justin do as co-parents that you think are are so great that other people should do or incorporate into their co-parenting life? So we, um, I just drew a blank. We talk about the, the tough stuff. Like if, if there's anything that is going wrong, I mean, cause our daughter's almost 14 years old. So there's definitely I think our been lives some are stuff so now. Parallel. So my son, my oldest is 14. So he's Oh six baby. So she must be 07. Exactly. She's, yeah, she's January of 07. And so we've been through some teenage stuff already um, with her and even just kindergarten where she was having some behavior problems. Anytime that there was a behavior problem, we've always been on the same page. Like I've always just made it a point. I'm, I'm the, uh, I have sole custody and he gets visitation and, and they work that out. Like they, on their own schedule, it's not actually a schedule anymore, which is nice. But anytime there's something that I feel like he should know as her father, you know, she gets straight A's. She, you know, gets a D on something. She had some, you know, mental health, you know, things that she needed to work out. Like I'm texting him before I'm texting my now husband because this is her father, even though, right. you know. So I'm keeping him in the loop and he has always responded by being on the same team. So if she's getting in trouble in school, for example, he is, he and I are making sure we agree. And then I always say, I feel sorry for Hannah because she's got my husband, Kevin and, and myself sitting there and also dad, Justin on the phone. She's literally got three parenting angles and we're all united. So that has really helped. And we've even been united unfortunately, sometimes against our own parents, like where if there's conflict with our own parents, we are on the same front so that nobody is siding. I don't think that's unfortunate. I think it's uncomfortable, but how, yeah. like, you know, we get, we get to dictate that. I sometimes have to say out loud, I'm 41. Like I have to say it out loud so people can remember mm-hmm. because they still see me as like a teenager. And I'm right. like, Right. This is, uh, these are my children. This is my life. Right. I, I appreciate right. that you might not respect or enjoy what we're doing, but this is what we're doing. Like, this is how we're doing it. And if you want to be part of that, awesome. And if not, please keep your comments to yourself. Like, you know, so tell me about Kevin 
and how that became. And I want to know because um, blended families and this next chapter is exciting and it also has lots of challenges too. So I want to get into that. Well, and I want to give you one more win though, oh, sure, because I think, I think Justin and I have always, we're both very brutally honest people, which is something that people either, they usually appreciate it about us um, as, as individuals or they don't. <laughs> so we've always been very honest with each other. And so with his new wife, which by the way, I mean, she, uh, Tatima has, she, she has been, I couldn't ask for a better stepmom for um, for my daughter and actually, and, and, um, Kevin and I have had, a, we've had a child together. And so she, she and Justin, Fatima and Justin are like aunts and, and aunt and uncle to my child with Kevin. And That's so the fact so, that, I mean, like, that is so beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. Like Justin's parents have taken both my children. They call them both the granddaughters. Um, it, you know, Parker, my, my youngest daughter doesn't really call Justin and Tatima anything except Justin and Tatima, but they really do have like an affectionate aunt, uncle, niece relationship. And so we just keep it very honest. And so um, Justin's family sometimes can, can create drama and say, oh, well, this person said that about you. And I go right to the source. So Tatima and I, instead of any backstabbing, I'm just like, it, that is uncomfortable, but we get it out there you know, um, and so when you say you go right to the the source, what do you mean? Can you give me an example? Like, what do you mean you go right to the source? Yes. Yeah. So I heard from a family member that Tatima did not want to watch Parker. Like, and and I've never actually asked her to watch Parker. Like it's not, they might invite, it's not like there's ever like, will you watch my kids? Right. It's sort of, you know, we might get invited over and Parker might be there and Parker's turning seven in a couple of weeks. So she's been little, or, yeah. you know, she's a little yeah. kid. She's a handful sometimes. And so a family member might say, well, I heard that Tatima actually doesn't want to ever watch Parker again. Well, instead of me stewing about it and getting mad, I'm just gonna go, hey, yeah. Tatima, right. Hey, Tatima. I'm just curious if there was anything that ever happened when last time you invited Parker over. And of course, that's uncomfortable, but I'd rather nip it in the bud. A hundred percent you know, and just get it. And so, and so we have dinner together. I mean, they invited our kids to spend the day with us or with them. They invited us to dinner at the end of the day. You know, we just, we're, we're friends and we're, and we're family, you know, it's kind of odd. And you might relate to me when you're, yes. when your husband feels like family. <laughs> well, know? they are. I mean, here's the thing. And, and no matter what we go through, because we get along 90% of the time, 10% of the time we don't. And it's only about kind of like that issue you mentioned with the other girlfriend of Justin's. That's the only issue we ever have. And what I, what I say to him, and I said it to him the other day, because we had a hard discussion is I said, look, I want to drop this. Like, this isn't working. This is too painful. It's causing a lot of drama for everybody. We get along. I said to him, regardless of what you feel or don't feel, I love you. I'm going to be your family until you die or I die. And this isn't going to end when we're eight, when they're 18, like this is life. So we're in this together. I've got your back, but this isn't working. Let's move on. Like sometimes there's just something that just not, it's just, you keep pushing against it. And it's like, this is not going anywhere, but I love, I mean, what you have with Justin and his new wife is so beautiful because what that shows your daughters, right. Is 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes families change and it doesn't, you know, your daughters didn't even know what they looked like before, but like, right. this doesn't have to be this way. Like when I wanted, my dream was that my, when my kids would hear people complaining about their parents' divorce when they were older, they would be like, what's wrong with your parents? Like, because right. they see us doing it in a way. I mean, I know people, my current husband, his parents w- will not be in the same room together. And right. they're, he's almost 50. Like, this is ridiculous. So like, I don't want it to be like that. So tell me, um, tell me about meeting Kevin. So I was on my way out of, well, I was separated, but we were still living together. And so we were moving toward moving out together or moving out apart um, and, and getting officially separated. And I thought, well, this is fantastic. Hannah was 17 months old at the time. And I was like, this is great. I'm going to like raise my daughter and read all the books I've never read. And I'm going to run my business. I was self-employed. So that whole year was, you know, getting separated 2008, like 2007 crash market crash. And then I started a business. So I'm like, this is great. I'm going to be able to focus. So the only place I ever went to see the light of day was the chamber of commerce. And that's where I met Kevin. That's awesome. So, so Kevin and I, we are very happy and we've always connected where I wasn't able to connect with Justin on a motivating, we're going that direction, we're going up um, and we're doing certain things to get there. Kevin and I have always been able to bond over business. Um, that's just something that you know, we get the kids off to school and then we call each other on the way to work and we're like, okay, let's talk about this idea. We didn't get to talk about it at home. You know, we just business bonds us. So it is only appropriate that we met at the chamber of commerce and mm-hmm. we went on the first date and I just pulled up. Cause you know, that feeling probably like dating after divorce is like, Oh, like <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> like, just, what am I doing? You know? Yes. <laughs> So we hit it off when we met at a business networking function. But then when I pulled up to the first date, it was just like, oh, this just feels like weird. And like there are rocks in my stomach. But the first date, we had so much conversation that was just so natural and easy. And there were no games from the beginning. And it was just, there wasn't like, oh, I wonder when he's going to call me. It was like, when can we hang out again? Yeah. It's super honest, super together, like straight shooting, right? No games. Why yep. do you need games at this point? Like, I don't have time for games. You have a child, like who has time to do this? Right. Exactly. And so honest about that. And so of course we had normal challenges of like, I had a kid and he didn't, and I'm still in the middle of my official divorce. Like I wasn't divorced yet. I was separated, right. you know, and of course there was stuff like that, but I was very honest uh, with Kevin. This is my ex. He's my friend. We, you know, before Kevin proposed marriage to me a year later, he said, I wonder if once we get engaged and married, if Justin will be your friend still. And I said, we will always be friends. So I've ne- so he's not, ne- you know, we've never really fought over that because I was honest about what I had with Justin and that it wasn't going away. Yes. That's so important. And then how has it been with you having a child together? And then like, how has it been? Because you have Parker that stays with you all the time. And then your other daughter, Hannah, goes back and forth at times or for visitation. So has that been a struggle at all for Hannah or for you that like, you know, she gets to stay here? Fortunately, not. Not really. Um, Because my children are seven, almost seven years apart. Yeah. And so when, so the, 
the custody situation actually, when it was scheduled, really didn't go on for for most of Parker's life. Like she hasn't known Hannah to go away regularly. It's more we've just always had to explain to her that you know that's that you guys have different dads. Like you get to live here with your dad, and Hannah gets to go spend some time with hers. And Parker actually this this works out. She gets nervous about going away from home, even still at almost seven years old. So it's kind of, it's, it's like Hannah goes away and then sometimes they invite her along and she's just happy to be invited when she is, but then she's happy to come home at the end of the day too. So mm-hmm. really it, it's funny because the baby is now almost seven and it's funny to hear her explain to people like, look, we have the same mom. We have different dads. You know, first mom was married to Justin and then they got divorced. Like, it's just funny that like the baby can articulate this all now. Right. Um, but no, it's, um, we just sort of explain it for what it, like, I've never really tiptoed around my kids around a lot of issues. Like a lot of, for example, a lot of people don't know how to talk to their kids about death. They're like, I don't want to even mention death. You know, I'm very like, let's just talk about it. Yeah, let's we do too. put we it in terms about everything. you can understand. Yeah. Right. I want a house where there's no topic we can't talk about. And um, th- I'm just so grateful for your story. I think that you have so much positivity to share. Have you had any struggles with the blended family with Kevin and everything? Or has it just been easy peasy? Because me, my story is a little different because my husband has an ex-wife and children. And that adds a whole nother layer <coughs> of fun. Um, has that been an issue at all for you guys? Anything with you guys? Yes. Um, the only thing that comes to mind when you ask me that is that Kevin's family is very traditional. And so there, there's been some taboo around like, you know, she's, she's divorced. She has a child, you know, and, um, I don't know, for some reason, having children out of wedlock is a big deal for Kevin's family. But since I was married at the time that I had mine, like that wasn't a big, right. But there's definitely been, um, you know, some tension, some feeling that I'm not really who they, they, like Kevin's the youngest of three. So maybe like, I'm not who they would have chosen for their like baby boy, you know, like there's definitely been some awkwardness, but I, I don't make it awkward. Right. I think they don't really know what to do with it. Um, yeah. So that's been tough, you know, when you don't feel like you're completely accepted. Yeah. Um, but it's just. But you're going to have like, that. Okay, I mean, well, that's just called in-laws. I mean, so, I, I, you know what I mean? I, I could not do anything to make my first-in-laws love me and the father-in-law love right. me and the mother-in-law probably never will. Like, so there's nothing I can do. You know what I mean? I we're just kind. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, you're, you know, you're, there are certain people in your life you're, you're obligated to because of family, but you also know, okay, you're not my people. Like just because we're related and we have the same last name doesn't mean you're my people and I'm yours and that's okay. I have one last question because I really am enjoying talking to you. Um, my last question is what advice do you have for anyone that's about to embark on this journey that just went through that really painful time that we were talking about of like, I don't know what to do, but they figured it out. How do they go from here where they feel like I'm never going to find anyone. I'm going to be alone forever. I don't know how to do this. I don't, I'm so mad at him or her. What's your guidance? I would say doing your best to see the best in the other person is, I mean, you you started this off being married to each other. You you may have had kids together. Obviously, it was great 
at least one night. Right? I mean, That's right. Was, this didn't happen overnight. And this is a person who you decided at one point to do life with. So just seeing the best in that person and never painting that person in a bad light for your, for your children. Never. That is one of my, I have two rules for my clients and that's one of them. And I so appreciate you bringing that up. And I really love the idea of the positivity about seeing the best in the other person. Cause that's half of your child. And it's someone that you're, and it's someone that you're stuck with. I mean, so why are you going to make your life miserable? Like, why do you want to not enjoy just, I mean, this can be a pleasant interaction. You can laugh, you can laugh about things that went wrong and things that went right. You can, you just, yeah, that's all. (laughs) Thank you so much, Erin. This was so wonderful. I'm so grateful for your time and your story. Thank you, Carly. I can't wait uh, to talk to you in the future. Talk to you next time. I'm here and supporting you and cheering you on. Thank you so much for having me today. Have a good one. Take care. For any listeners out there who want help with divorce coaching, please contact me at inyourcornercoach at gmail.com. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and the world around us. Have a great day.